It's nice to see you today. The message today, we're talking about your jobs. This series has been very, very practical. You know, we're taking the scripture and we're applying it to our work setting. And you're going to spend 40 hours minimum probably at work every week. So many of your waking hours. So there's a lot that the Bible talks about your work. We're talking about how to advance your career. And today I want to talk about how not to allow your profession to become your obsession. Because workaholism is something that happens and the Bible speaks about it. The Bible talks a lot about how important it is to work hard, but there's balance. Look at Proverbs 23, 4. It's in your notes. It says, do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. What does that mean? Don't wear yourself out to get rich. Well, God wants you to have, be successful. God wants you to do the very best you can be, but he wants balance. What does it mean to wear yourself out? If I wear myself out to make money, when I come home, what do I have to give? I don't have anything to give at home for my kids. So it's better to have less success and have a balanced life. Because you can work and work and work. You can work yourself into a divorce. You didn't do anything but commit your time to work. But then the mistress isn't always another woman. The mistress is sometimes the job. That, that become, that's what's ruining the relationship with the marriage is because you're so consumed with what you're doing that you don't have balance. You're not with your family. You don't have the type of life that God really wants you to have. In Ecclesiastes 10, 15, it says, only someone too stupid to find his way home. Can you imagine that the Bible calls some people stupid? I thought, wait a minute, I tell my kids not to say that. But only someone too stupid to find his way home would wear himself out with work. And it's like this. Why are you working so late? You don't know how to find your way home? That's what it's saying. It's talking about balance. I can show you lots of scripture that talks about work hard and succeed. But it's within this boundary of balance. It's within this boundary of not working so hard that you don't have time for the most important things. Here's a quiz to see if you're a workaholic. Are you always in a hurry? Does your to-do list always have more than you could possibly accomplish? Does doing nothing drive you up the wall? Do you find it difficult to say no to opportunities? Do you feel guilty when you relax? Do you frequently find it difficult to turn your mind off when you go to bed? Do people around you tell you you ought to slow down? Do you procrastinate about taking vacations? Do you have to get sick to slow down? Do you ever take business-related reading material into the bathroom? These are signs that you're a workaholic <laughs> you, because you never stop. You don't want to take vacations. You can't sleep at night because you're thinking about something you have to do at work. It's consuming your life, and in a sense, that becomes an idol. It's the, it becomes the most important thing that you have instead of God being number one. Why do people become workaholics? I think one of the reasons is insecurity. You can write this in your notes. People feel like they're nobody. And they feel like if they work hard and achieve things, they're somebody. So somebody could feel like my life doesn't count. But then they walk home with something like this, and then it gives them value. Like, okay, this is evidence that my life does count. And they base their self-image and their self-worth on things that they work for. 
It's being insecure. Winning or losing doesn't really make you more valuable. Value is based on worth. A house is valuable based on how much people are willing to pay for it. You're the same way. It's based on your worth. What is somebody willing to pay for it? Well, what if you were so valuable that God says, I'm willing to come to earth as a man, Jesus Christ, and pay for you with my own blood shed on the cross? That's value. That's value. When God is willing to die for you, you're valuable. That's why things like this are fun. It should be fun. But if, if you base your significance as a person on something like this, then one day you're going to lose and you're going to be down in the dumps. Next day you win, you're up. It's because it has nothing to do with your real self-worth. People are insecure. That's why they become workaholics, because they feel like it's going to somehow give them a value that they feel like they don't really have. Number two is worry. Not everybody's a workaholic because they are insecure. Sometimes we become a workaholic because we're worried. How am I going to pay my bills? So we work and we work and we work because we're really worried about it. In Psalm 55, 2, I am worn out by my worries. And that's what it does. You feel like you can't take time off because how are you going to make ends meet? And it stresses you and stresses you. But that stress is going to affect your family. Because when you're stressed, you're going to take that home. Part of that is to build faith in God and trust him. And sometimes it's better to take a job that's not as stressful and to even move to a place where it's easier to make ends meet so that you can have peace in your life. What good is it if I have to work and work and work and work to get something I want but not be there to enjoy it? The whole point of achieving something is so that you can enjoy what you have. But if I can't enjoy it because, like say I, I get this house, but I can't enjoy it because I'm at work 60 hours a week, I, I just sleep in this house, then it, it's like, what's the point? What's the point? So real success is going gonna to give you a better life. Number three is greed. Sometimes we're workaholics because of greed. We're just greedy. And we think, I want more, and I want more, and I want more. Ecclesiastes 4.4, it says, I've learned why people work so hard to succeed. It's because they envy the things their neighbors have. Isn't that funny? Even way back then, this was Solomon, King Solomon that wrote this, but even way back then, keeping up with the Joneses. You know, always trying to look at what everybody else has. You know, spending money on things I don't need to impress people I don't even like. That's what a lot of people do. And you think like, what? Why is that? The U.S. Department of Labor said 25% of, of people in America would prefer longer hours if they could get paid more. So, you know, we have a tendency to really think that money is going to make us happy. Don't get me wrong. You need money. Everybody in this room needs money. But it's not going to make you happy. Isn't it interesting that the suicide is higher, the suicide rate is higher in higher income areas than in lower income areas? Maybe it's because they thought it was going to make them happy. And it didn't. So let's look at God's cure for workaholism. 
I'm putting an acrostic together that spells the word relax. Because that's, you know, let's, hey, relax, relax, enjoy life. R for relax is realize my worth. You can write that in. You matter to God. No one is insignificant to God. So you can relax and say, I am somebody. I don't have to work in order to feel important. I am somebody. 1 John 3, 1. See how very much our Heavenly Father loves us, for He allows us to be called His children. Think of it. And we really are. When you really get it, when you really grasp the idea that I'm a child of God, you know that you have value. See, on this earth, if your mom and dad happen to be the king and queen of England, for example, of some country like that, you would know just because of who your parents are that you had value. Well, how much more valuable if you're a child of God? Come on, the king and queen of England are nothing compared to God. If your parents are the president, you know, of the United States, you know that's dad or that's mom or whoever it be. You would know that just the fact that you're their child, that makes you valuable. How much more is God greater than the president? When you really grasp who you are, then you, you don't need to have that insecurity. It's a faith issue. Do I really believe that I'm God's child? Do I really believe that I belong to him? In Isaiah 43, 4, it says, God is speaking in this verse, and he says, you are precious in my sight. Circle that word precious. You are valuable to God. You are important to him. Number two, enjoy what I have. God wants you to enjoy what you have. If I'm going to learn to relax, I need to have contentment. Contentment doesn't mean that you have no goals. Contentment doesn't mean that you give up on striving. I want everybody in this room to be the most successful you can be, but not at any price. Balance. But as successful as you can be within a healthy balance. Ecclesiastes 3.13 says, All of us should eat and drink and enjoy what we have worked for. It is God's gift. I love the Bible. Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon, as I said. But there's so much wisdom there because it's about real life. Enjoy it. If you said, I, all I do is I work hard. I come home. I eat dinner. I go to bed exhausted only to get up early in the morning and work hard. I come home exhausted. Only enjoy life. Enjoy life. Have some sort of balance. Because, you know, that can go on for year and year after year. It's something that someone's, you're going to regret it later on. I would have regret it so much if my work schedule happened in such a way that I never got to spend time with my kids like I should. I praise God for my time. Because you're going to lose them. 18 years can sound like a long time. It's fast. I can't believe that my older son is already 19 years old. I thought, like, whoa. I praise God that I made it a priority to be in his life. I praise God that I make it a priority to be in Andrew's life and my two little ones. But it's hard. It's hard to balance that. You have to balance time with your kids. You have to balance time with your wife or husband and then still working. I'm telling you, it's hard. But what would ruin my life 
is if I put my main focus on work and didn't have the time with Andrew, didn't have the time with Alex, didn't have time with the little ones. Because I'm never going to get to the end of my life and say, wow, it was so much fun being in that office working. I really relish those times. I'm not. I'm going to think, like, if only I would have had a relationship with my kids. If only I would have had a healthy relationship with my wife. I was so busy working that the relationship fell apart. Those are the things that are going to devastate you. How do you change that? Enjoy what you have now. You know, enjoy what you have now. Enjoy the house that you live in. Enjoy the time that you have with kids. Enjoy life on the way. When you think, oh, if I can get here, get here, get here, then life's going to be good. It's never going to happen. Because once you get there, you'll think the next step is going to make you happy. And once you get, it's like Howard Hughes. He was the wealthiest guy in the world at the time. When the reporter asked him, how much money do you have to have before you finally realize that you're satisfied? He said, just a little bit more. Come on, if, he, if the most wealthiest guy in the whole world wasn't satisfied until he had just a little bit more, it's never going to happen. Because th those things aren't going to make you happy. They're, they're fun. It's fun to achieve certain things. But, if, but you have to have contentment along the way. So you have to enjoy your family now. You have to take vacations now. You have to do the things now because you won't get a chance later. It's going to be over. 1 Timothy 6 through 8 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Now, that's a guy that really knows how to be content. I don't know if I'm content with just food and clothing, but if, if, if it's Valentino's pizza, maybe. But I don't know if I'm content with just food and clothing, but you know what this tells me? When I used to go to... I was going to Kenya back and forth for a little while, specifically there because the people we were working there, that was probably the poorest area that I worked in. And because I've been to some of the other places, but I think Kenya was the worst. And the people were happy. It wasn't like because they were poor, there was less happy people there than here. I would guess the percentage of people that were happier in Kenya was maybe greater than here because they kind of learned to be content with that verse, food and clothing. And they didn't have a lot of other things. I think here, because of like keeping up with the Joneses type of mindset, maybe we can't be content when we have a lot. I know that I'm super wealthy. But in this country, people don't see me that way. But I know I'm super wealthy because of all these mission works that we've done as a church in Kenya and you know Ethiopia, Haiti, and just the different places that We've sent people out, Brazil, Mexico, and all these different places that we do things. I know I'm super wealthy because I realize, you know, what is it? Half the world's living on $4 a day or something like crazy. But being in the mix of that, I see suffering. And you see how they're living and they're in these little huts and in these, I mean, there's really suffering. And then I come home to where I live and I think like, man, I never knew how well I had it. I never knew. Just the fact that you're living in the United States, you're in the top 10%. If you're living in one of the coast beach cities, uh, you're in the top 1%. Because if you're li living in the beach cities, you're in the top 10% of America. And America is the top 10% of the world. 
So sometimes we think that we're having it hard. No, we have the good life, but we don't know it, so we can be not happy. And we can go to Kenya and see people happy because they have food and clothing. They get food and they're really happy because they might not have it tomorrow. We need to learn to be content. I, I was reading this story about this bank robber. And he stole a total over a, a period of time because he, he robbed a few places. $500,000. Okay, I know that's bad. You don't want to be a bank robber. But what's interesting is when they caught him, he was down to 32 cents. And I said, that's a guy that knows how to enjoy what he has. <laughs> he enjoyed $500,000. He didn't spend $100,000 and enjoy that. And they took the four. He enjoyed $500,000. Compare that to someone that they say, he died and he was worth $100 million. That person didn't enjoy that $100 million. You know, somebody else is going to enjoy it. So... Learning how to take what I do have, hopefully not robbing banks, but learning how to take what I do have and enjoy it. Make the most out of what you have. You can have fun now with life. Your net worth doesn't determine your self-worth. Sometimes we think it does. L in the word of relax is limit your labor. I've talked about this already, having some balance. You make time for the most important things. Schedule those times in. If you're like me, if I don't schedule time in with my kids, I won't do it because I'll get busy. It's not that I don't want to, but you just get busy and, and then it never happens. Schedule time with the uh, wife or husband because it's not that you purposely neglect your spouse, but you get busy and it just never happens. But if it was part of your schedule, like I know pretty much my, I take Tuesdays off. Sometimes I switch to the day, but because I'm coaching and because I'm doing stuff here at the church, I take Tuesday. All day on Tuesday, I devote it to my family. All day Tuesday. Other times as well. But I make sure that there's one day set aside that I'm not going to do anything else. Because they're important to me. I want to make sure that I have that time. I can't do two days or three days or four days. But I can set up one day completely for my family. And I think that those are the type of things you have to do. Something like that. To, to make sure that you're getting the right things in. In Exodus, it says, you have six days in which to do your work. This is part of the Ten Commandments. But the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to me. On that day, no one is to work. Even in the Ten Commandments, the big ten, the ten most important things to do, one of them is to take a day off to rest. Take a day off. Don't be going and going and going. During the French Revolution... They did away with um, the Sabbath because in uh, the French culture at that time, uh, on Sundays, they would celebrate it on Sundays. And on Sundays, all the shops were closed. It was law. You know, everything was, people didn't work seven days a week and stuff like that. They always had a day off. And they took away, they did away with that. And the people were working and working and working and working. And they found that the health of their country was going down and down and down. And they determined it was because they never had days off. Because they were trying to work with this revolution. Let's get things changed. And then they put back in the day of rest. So on, on Sundays, everything would close down. You just go to church and take the day off and be with your family. And the health of the country went right back up. Because you weren't designed to work seven days a week. You weren't. 
You weren't designed to work 24 hours in a day. You weren't designed for that. You need to sleep at night and you need a day off. You know, you need a break from it. In Mark 6, 31, it says, there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his disciples didn't even have time to eat. That's too busy, right? So he said to them, let us go off by ourselves to some place where we will be alone and we will get some rest a while. What Jesus didn't say is this. We've been so busy, we didn't have time to eat because we are just so dedicated to God. So let's keep going. Keep pushing it. You know, let's show, let's, let's show that God's number one. That's not what he said. He said, hey, we're, we're so busy, we haven't had time to eat. Let's go to Palm Springs and take a vacation. That's what Jesus did. If Jesus knew that when you get too busy, you pull back and take a break, it must be the right thing to do. I'm, I'm kind of thinking that he got it right. So you never want to just be going and going and not have that balance. And then some people say, I like that idea. I'm going to take a vacation. So, but because they're still a workaholic, their vacation starts at 5.30 in the morning, and they're going to visit 20 places in five days, and they're going to go hike every mountain on the way, and then, you know, and they come back more exhausted than they were when they were at work. And they need a vacation to get a break. If that's your lifestyle where you're going, 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 maybe your vacation shouldn't be that way. Of course, me and my sons, we had a great vacation doing that together. We were on the move. If you're on the move a lot, you need to have balance. Probably if you're a workaholic, your vacation probably needs to be relaxing at a beach somewhere. Probably if you're sitting behind a desk all week long, go hike those mountains. <laughs> we probably need to do the opposite of what we're doing the rest of the time to get, you know, to get some change in our life. In Psalm 127, verse 2, it says, it is senseless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, for God wants his loved ones to get their proper rest. That's in the Bible. God wants you to get your proper rest. It's senseless to work early morning until late at night. There again, it's all about balance. So I want you to ask yourself, do I have balance in my life? You want to schedule three things in. You want to schedule in rest. Do you have enough rest? Recreation, fun things that you do. And relationships, you know, your time with your family. If you schedule those things in, you're going to probably have balance. And then work as hard as you can. And you're going to find out at work, they found that if you work hard for two hours, then you take a 15-minute coffee break. And then you work hard for two hours and take a half an hour lunch break. Then you work hard for two hours and you take a 15-minute coffee break or something again. Then you work hard for two hours those people accomplish way more than someone trying to work eight hours straight. Because those little breaks give you a rest. It makes your mind not have to think about it for a while because you're talking to a friend. You get food in your stomach and, you know, you get a chance to break, get away from it a bit. But those people get more accomplished taking those breaks than people that go eight hours straight. Because you need those breaks. You need rest. Your, your body functions better when it has those type of balances. Then next on the word relax is A is for adjust my values. Because the problem is our values are off. And that's what causes us to be workaholics. Is we value things that are different than what God would say. What God would say is really important. Jesus asked two questions that to me helped me to see like what's really important. In Mark 8, 36 and 37, his first question was, What good is it for a man 
to gain the whole world yet forfeit a soul. Wow. What good would it be to gain everything this world has to offer but to be so busy I don't have time for God to forfeit my soul? Is it worth it? He says, or what can a man give in exchange for a soul? Are you willing get to give your time to those things in exchange for your soul? Are you willing to lose your health because of work? Like to work so much, so much, so much without a break that you end up losing your health? Is it worth that? What are you willing to lose? Are you willing to give up your family, your marriage? That would be destroyed because you're not willing to have balance. You're working, working, working. Is it worth it? And of course your soul, your, your walk with God. Are you willing to be so busy that you don't have time for God? If you're so busy you don't have time for God, you're too busy. It's too busy. Your spiritual life is going to help you in every other way. It starts there. Is it worth what you're going to lose? Solomon was amazing. He had power, prestige, possessions, pleasure. He was the wealthiest guy in the world at his time. And he wrote some really, really insightful things here. But in Ecclesiastes 2, verses 10 and 11, he said, Anything I wanted, I got. I didn't deny myself any pleasure. I was proud of everything I had worked for. Then I thought about all I had done and how hard I had worked doing it. And I realized it didn't mean a thing. Wow. Spending your whole life climbing up the ladder of success only to find out it's leaning against the wrong wall. Can you imagine that? You get to the top, and it's too late now. It's too late. The years have already gone by. That's what he found out. Poor, poor Solomon. What a shame that would be. Because balance, balance, values. If you value power, prestige, possession, pleasure, it's going to be against the wrong wall. It's going to be against the wrong wall. Relationships with God, with your family. I've never seen somebody on their deathbed and thinking, oh, if I could have just sold two more cars, that would have been so cool. I'm around people that die all, a lot just because of my job. And they, they never say that. You know what they're saying? They say things like, I should have spent more time with my wife. I have some regrets. My oldest son, I, I just let him slip through my fingers because I just didn't make, give him the priority and attention he needed, and I regret that now. And he's not even here. He, he doesn't even want to see me. Or th Those are the things I hear. I never hear someone saying on their deathbed, oh, you know, if I could have just sold another house, that would have been so cool. Nobody says that. When do you think, you, do you really see where your value should be? You're going to see it on your deathbed for sure. I want to make sure in this room, we see it way before then. You know, we see it now that we never allow our values to get out of order because the consequences are too grave. And then X on the word relax. X is for expect. I know that's an E-X, but it's expect. Expect God's care. Matthew 6, 31 and 32. Do not worry saying, what shall we eat or drink or wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. What this is saying is, it's not saying, 
don't work hard and try to do the best you can, but it's saying ultimately, don't worry and trust God. Don't worry and trust God. Because if, if you don't have that attitude, let's say that you get this great job and the income's great and it's perfect, and I mean, that's really super, or it's a business that you have, but you could lose that job. Then what happens? Is your life ruined? If you're relying on that money to make you happy, if you're not trusting God and you're trusting that money, you're going to be worried and worried and worried. If you learn to trust God rather than trust the money, then you have to say, well, I've just got to trust God that he's going to provide. And then you go out and look for another job. And if it takes four months, you've got to trust God. Here's the difference between the two people. A Christian or someone without faith. Someone that has faith, someone without faith. They both lose jobs. The same thing happens to both. But one person in that four-month period is stressed. They can't sleep at night. It affects their relationships. It's all they talk about with their friends. They're overwhelmed by it. You know what I mean? The other person that trusts God says they're out looking for a job, same way it's taking them as long. But they're just trusting that God's somehow going to figure it out. And because they're trusting God, they're not bringing all that stress on their wife or husband. They're not bringing all that stress on their kids. It's not the only thing they talk about. Because they believe somehow, some way, God's going to work it out. Do you know what happens? And you look around to everybody, it always works out. The person that has faith, it works out for them. But you look at the people that don't have faith, it always works out for them too. They always get a job too. They finally get something. People with faith... It always works out. The only difference is one person it worked out and it didn't ruin their last, those four months of their life because they have faith. The other person, it was devastating to their health and everything because of the stress. But you see people with faith and without faith, it always works out. The faith doesn't make it work for one and not for the other. The faith makes a difference in the process of getting there. Because you have faith, you trust God, and you have a happy, content process while the other person's suffering. But it always works out for both. We see it all the time. So don't worry. You expect God. Ultimately, God, I expect you to take care of me because you know why? If an earthquake happened, I could lose everything financially. So I can't put my faith in that. I can't put my faith in financial security. Or somebody gets sick in the family and all of my income goes to those medical bills. I can't put my, I could lose all the money. I can't put any faith in my financial situation. Of course, if you saw my financial situation, you wouldn't put any faith in it either. But, but you can't put your faith in those type of things because there's no security there. So I've got to just trust that somehow, some way God's going to take care of it. And that does not mean that I sit in a room and just wait. I say, God, somehow you're going to take care of this. And then I go and work. I go and work. I take initiative. But I believe in my head, God's ultimately in control. I'm just going to trust him. I'm not going to let this ruin my life. And I just go. Proverbs 14.30 says, a relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. Guaranteed. What does stress do? It's going to shorten your life. It's going to physically shorten your life. But the person that can have a relaxed attitude, they're going to live longer. 
The question is, am I really trusting God? Am I really trusting God? Do you know it's immature not to get our proper rest? I see this all the time because of having kids. My three-year-old daughter's at that stage where every time I say it's time to go to bed, you know what she does? She fusses. I don't want to go to bed. She's so tired, you know. And you, you get her there, and she's going to fall asleep. No, I don't want to go to bed. I want to keep playing. No, Dad, I want to keep playing. And I say, no, you have to go to bed. It's like she's too immature to realize she needs rest. But sometimes we're, we're like that. We're working and working, and your wife or your husband says, you need to get a break, and we're too immature to know that we need rest. We need parents ourselves. We maybe we need to start parenting ourselves. But we see that with the little kids, but we do the same thing. You weren't meant to run and empty. You have to have balance. What does Jesus have to say about this? Look at Matthew 11, 18, and 29. When you're stressed out and you have too much going on, come to me, all you who are weary and overburdened, and I will give you rest. Put on my yoke and learn from me, and I will find rest for your souls. You come to Jesus. It's all about faith. You're really trusting he's going to take care of it. I'm going to take all the stress. How am I going to handle the bills? How am I going to do all this? I've got to work and work and work. How can I have balance? And you take all that stress and you give it to Jesus. He says, come to me. You give it to Jesus. And then, what, what does that mean? You have faith that he's going to take care of it. You know, you're still working, but you have faith. Somehow, some way, he's going to take care of it. I'm trusting him. I know that he's bigger than my problems. My eyes are going to stay on him. Ask yourself, do you have some of these tendencies to be a workaholic? Maybe because of worry, maybe because of insecurity, maybe because of greed. If you're in any of these situations, put Jesus first. Put God first in your life. That's going to be the turning point, not just for your work, but for every aspect of your life. You want to put him first. With that, I want to close us with a prayer here. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we ask that you help us to realize that we're already significant. We don't need to work and achieve things to have value. We want to achieve things. It's fun, but not for our self-value, Lord. We already know that we're valuable because of you. Lord, we ask that you help us to relax, to get balance in our life, that we're trusting you and your values and your priorities, that we'll never put work ahead of our family, ahead of time with our family, time with our spouse, the things that are going to really matter in the long term to give us a good life. Lord, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you care. Thank you that you give us things so practical in Scripture so that what we learn on Sunday we can actually do on Monday and have a healthier life because of it. Lord, we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen.